Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. God's given me an awesome message this morning, and I'm so excited about it. I need some juice. It's awesome to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. All right. You know, we can get a little bit loud once in a while. It's okay. Right? We're apostolics. Amen. Sometimes we get those tough messages. Sometimes we get those messages that get a little quiet in here. I'll tell you what, our senior pastor, lately, it's quiet as a, as a mouse walking across a feather in this place. Because he's getting into some stuff that makes you think and it gets into your heart and you start thinking and you're introspective and he's affecting us and God is anointing him and it's awesome. Now I'm telling you that now because he's not here and if, I, if he was here, he'd be mad at me because he'd say, stop doing that. And those things are great. But once in a while, God just comes along and says, I've got something for you I want you to know. And I want you to walk out of here fired up and excited to know who you are, who I am, and what we're doing here. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So lo and behold, awesome song service. Sister Brianna, anointed and wonderful, sings a song. Praise the Lord. Sings an awesome song about the name of the Lord. And the Lord speaks to us. And what does he say? Mm, the power is in my name. Well, you're going to crack up when you hear what I have to preach today. Praise the Lord. I'm going to talk to you this morning about what is your I am. What is your I am? If you turn to Exodus chapter 3, I won't keep you standing too much longer. I'm telling you, I'm just juiced. I'm excited. I was excited two weeks ago when, when I, God spoke to me in prayer and said, I am, I am. He got me searching on this scripture, and then away it went. Exodus chapter 3, starting at verse 9. And it says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Now note, the Egyptians are a key topic in this verse. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Egypt was sin. Egypt was bondage. Egypt was the world. And God, from the time he was born, had put a call on this man's life that he was going to do something great someday, that he was going to free his people from bondage. And it came time as Moses was tending the flocks of Jethro, he stood before the burning bush and God spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you. And Moses, of course, said, who am I? What, what do I have? What do I have to offer? It's been postulated that Moses had a speech impediment and that he couldn't talk very well. He wasn't of great stature, but God chose him. How many of us want to get out of Egypt that we live in right now? How many of us are tired of the Egypt that we're surrounded by every single day and we're looking for a way out? You know, we talk a lot about revival We expect revival. Anybody in here want revival? Anybody want to see revival? Anybody? Yeah, I kind of want to see revival. It It would be neat. I think people would come to church if there was revival, I guess. Do we want to see revival or do we not want to see revival in the church? Praise the Lord. Okay. I'm going to keep working on you guys. I'm going to keep working on you guys. You're going to get this in a second. We talk a lot about revival. We talk a lot about the church waking up. 
But are we waiting? I just have to ask. Are we waiting for some magical thing to happen? Is, is, is Brother Zerpoli going to come and suddenly, boom, we're in revival? Or Brother Mallory? Or Brother Mackey? Or any other guy you can think of? Maybe we need David Bernard to come. Maybe he'll preach a message, and then that will spark something, and we'll point at it and go, that's revival. We're in it. No, that's not how it works. Revival is you. Revival is your will. Revival is your understanding of knowing exactly what revival is and what it means and what your role in it is. God is standing before the burning bush and he's talking to you and he's saying, I choose you. I'm picking you. Who are you? You're the one that God chose. Verse 12 says, and he said, certainly I will be with thee. This is God talking. Now certainly I will be with thee and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, Ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What's his identity? Who is he? Who are you talking about? Who is this God? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. You can be seated this morning. Clearly, there's an issue with God in relation to identity and his identity. The name, again and again throughout scripture, the name, the song that we sang this morning, the worship that we gave him. We must know who he is. And right from the very beginning, when he was about to deliver the people out of the land of Egypt, he knew that they needed to know who he was. But his answer was kind of odd. His answer wasn't a name. It wasn't Bob or Fred or Mekizedek or El Shaddai. It was, I am. I am. Why is that? Well, I am is translated... And this is, if you guys are Strong's readers and studiers, I'm going to actually give you the references if you don't mind. I got studying on this thing. I got excited. He started talking to me about I am, and I got excited. I want to know and understand. I've heard this for years. How many of us have heard that? God is the great I am. We've sang that song. He's the great I am. Okay. I am is translated from the word haya or aye. Strong's reference H1961. H for Hebrew, G for Greek. 19, you can look this up. 61. Heya or aye, which means to become or to be or to exist. I am that I am is simply aye, asher aye, from to be or to exist. Okay? Now I know this stuff can get boring, so I'll make it exciting in a minute. Okay. This is the etym- etymology and the root of the word Yahweh. Y H W H. Now you've heard that before, right? That's God's name, Yahweh. As a matter of fact, it's so sacred amongst certain Jewish, Jewish sects that they won't even say it. They won't even reference it. They won't say Yahweh. They won't write it because they fear that they'll blaspheme his name accidentally. That's how much they revere and respect the name of God. Sometimes I fear we don't have that level of respect in this world and in the church. But they revere it so much. And so from YHWH, also seen as YHVH, uh, some say that goes back to to way back into German translation. But essentially the vowels were thrown in to make it something pronounceable. And we came out, they came out with Yahweh, known as the Tetragrammaton. 
Those four, meaning made of four letters, Y-H-W-H, Yahweh, okay? It's literally God's name. Well, H-1961, Haya is the etymology or the root of H-3068, Yehovah or Jehovah. And so as the translators were translating and putting the scripture in from the original Hebrew and the original Greek, they replaced a lot of that with Yehovah, 3068. Wherever in scripture you see Lord, God, or Jehovah in all caps, it was translated from Yahweh. Did you know that? And it appears in scripture over 6,500 times. God wants you to know who he is. But moreover, he wants you to know who you are. Because it is so critical for where we are going. Isaiah chapter 44 and 6 says, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord, all caps, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there is no God. That's the book of Isaiah. Further translation means self-existent, or he who becometh, or the becoming one. Or more accurately, I will be what I will be. And even further from that, I will be whatsoever I will become. Essentially, to the people of Israel, they were crying out. They were under bondage in Egypt. They were crying out to God day and night. God, save us. God, release us. God was saying to them, essentially, I will be what you need me to be. I am. And in this case, it was deliverer. I am. He said to them in that phrase, when Moses said, I am has sent me, they knew that he meant the deliverer. God is your deliverer today. H3068 in the Strongs is the root and etymology of H3091, which is Yahushua or Yeheshua. It literally means Jehovah is salvation. This is where we got the name Joshua. As you know, many of you understand that Joshua in the Bible is a foreshadow of Jesus and is in the lineage of Jesus. Yahashua. It means Jehovah is salvation. It wasn't an accident that Jesus was named Jesus. The lineages were there. They knew. They understood. But this is the root and etymology of G. Now we're into the, into the Greek. G2424, which is Aesus. Aesus is where we get the name Jesus. Okay, now I know it's getting a little murky. I'm going to carry you through. So everywhere you see in the name Jesus in the New Testament, it is translated from G2424, Aesus, which comes from the root, Yahushua. Remember that? So literally... Jehovah is the root and etymology of Jesus. Now to go a little bit further, remember again, Jehovah, which is the root and etymology of H1961, Haya or Yahweh. You see where it's all coming together? Identity. So the name of Jesus literally means Jehovah is salvation. Okay, so if Jehovah is connected to or is a root of Yahweh, the name Jesus literally means I am salvation. I am salvation. He is the existence of salvation. 
You see where we're going? Okay. So how does this translate over to the New Testament? The Gospels record people addressing Jesus as Lord. Now, the word Lord is translated from the Greek kurios. So if you go and you look up Jesus all throughout the New Testament, hundreds of times, sometimes it just means sir or master. But in the right context, and depending on the context, it also means supremacy or supreme, or it's a translation of Yahweh. How about that? John chapter 20 and 28. Doubting Thomas, we all know that story. He looked at Jesus, said, I need to know. I want to put my finger through the holes in his hands. That's how I'm going to believe. But he looked at, when he saw and he recognized that Jesus is who he was, he looked at Jesus and he said, my Lord and my God. He knew the identity of who he was standing before. Take a look at this, John chapter 8, 56 and 58. 56 through 58, excuse me. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. There it is. I am. Now the Jews were, this was shortly after he had excused the the sin of the woman caught in adultery. He was teaching in the temple and they were constantly trying to catch him and throw things at him and they were constantly trying to get something on him. But they could never get him because he always had the right answer. And so he puts this out to him. Now Abraham had been dead for somewhere about 1,500 years. He looked at Jesus and said, well, you're you're not even 50. How do you know Abraham? And he looks at them and he says, before Abraham was, I am. I am. Now, the next verse says that they went to pick up stones to stone him. You know why they did that? Because they were calling him a blasphemer. Well, they wouldn't have done that if they didn't know that what he was saying was, I am God. See, they know the Jews only recognize there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all and above all, who's through all and in you all. They recognize, hero Israel, there is only one God. And so when he said, I am, before Abraham was, I am, first of all, he's not 1,500 years old. And second of all, you just used a phrase applied to the one and only God. And so they began to pick up stones because that was a right at that point, blaspheming. You could stone a person for that. You see, they recognized it. They knew his identity. They knew what he was saying. And it says that he slipped off. It wasn't his time yet. He's not a coward. He just, it wasn't his time. He probably got caught up in a throng. They were protecting him. They knew what I am meant. I'm going to tell you understanding and knowing the identity of Jesus Christ. You have to know who you are and what you stand. If you want to make it, if you want to get through, if you're tired of struggling and fussing and struggling and not understanding what is this life for? Why am I sacrificing what I'm sacrificing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Because nothing changes. We go to work. We come home. We pay our bills. Everything stays the same. Nothing changes. I mentioned to you earlier that revival starts. It's not just some magical thing that's going to poof and all of a sudden, hey, we're in revival. There it is. I can see it. And it's at our church now. It's going to start inside you. God's asking the question today, what is your I am? Who's going to stand up this morning and say, I am a Sunday school teacher. I am a worship leader. I am a Bible study teacher. 
Who's going to take control of the identity that they have and make a difference? That's where revival's going to come from. That's what's going to make the difference. And you can do it. Because you're all Holy Ghost filled, water baptized Christians in the apostolic faith. You know what it means. You're full of the Holy Ghost. You are, I am. I look to God, 1 Timothy 3, 16, in the, in the beginning, excuse me, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if I say to Jesus, Jesus, are you that Word? He's going to say, I am. The word logos, where we get the word logo from. The plan, the idea, the concept that God had from the very beginning to manifest himself in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3, 16. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached on in the world, and received up into glory. Jesus, is that the person, are you the person that scripture's talking about? And he's going to say, I am. That's his identity. The Jesus that you have living inside you is God Almighty. And so you have that power. See, he understood that his, his identity was important. It was critical that people knew who he was. It's why he declared, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep and the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the true, and the life. I'm the true vine. I am. I am. I am. He's declaring it. And I'm telling you, folks, today is the day. Today is the day that you can stand up and make your declaration. Don't be in Egypt anymore. Don't be a part of Egypt anymore. Step up and say, I am a Christian. I am redeemed. I've crossed the river. I'm out of the desert. I am who I am. Today's the day. If you want revival, if you really want it, what does revival mean? Have you defined it? Do we really know what it means? Have we done a good enough job? Michael, have we done a good enough job of defining what revival means so that our people can say, yeah, I want a part of that? Brother Steve, have we done a good job at that yet? But we're getting there. We need to define what it is because we need it. Why do we need it? Because it means souls saved. It means people that are going to be coming to God that need him so desperately. A lost and dying world that we're surrounded with. I can look out the window and I can see a home. And I can only presume if they don't have God in their lives what their destiny is. But revival is going to start with our identity and who we are. Are you willing to stand and say, I am. I am. I'll tell you what, I'm getting more and more a hold of who Jesus is and what his identity is. I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you a quick story. This is how I am works in my life, and I'm so thankful, I'm so humbled by it, and I'm so gracious. This past Christmas time, we got a telephone call from my daughter. Many of you don't know that four years ago, before she left for college, she went to a routine exam. Goes to the exam, and they're doing all that stuff where they poke around on your belly and all that. And something wasn't right. They send her, this, she's, you got to get to the doctor, you need an ultrasound. They found a tumor in her body, in her abdomen, that was a liter and a half large attached to one of her ovaries. Forgive me, hon, for giving your private medical information, but I'm testifying what God has done. So, of course, that was very scary for us, and we set up the appointments. She went and got it all taken care of. Well, they were able to, to extract fluid, get the thing out arthroscopically, save the ovary. It was great. No problem. Four years ago. She's getting ready to graduate college in a couple of months. She gives us a phone call just before Christmas time, and she says, I, something's not right, I'm not feeling right, I'm okay, but something's not right, I'm going to go see the doctor. Goes to the doctor, you need an ultrasound, something's there. They did the ultrasound, 
Now she's got another one. Two liters large in her abdomen. And immediately we became concerned, obviously. It's back, and it's on an ovary again. So all the medical stuff starts to happen and everything, and as soon as I could, the first place I went was right here. I said, I'm going to church, and I'm going to pray. And I'm going to get a hold of I am. And I'm going to let them know where I stand. Now, I didn't come in here, and I didn't beg and plead and all that kind of stuff because thanks to my pastor and my leaders and my teachers that have taught me to pray and have a prayer relationship with God, I knew what I needed to do. I came in here, and I worshiped God. And I said, God, I know you've got her in your hands. I know that she's going to be okay. God, just give me that peace. Just give me I, so many things that you've brought me through before. So many things that you've carried us through. The miracles I've seen in my life. I know you're going to do it again. I just need that confirmation. God, give me peace in my heart. I just want that peace, God. I walked out of these doors right there. And as I'm walking down the aisle, God's going, I got this. She's in my hand. I heard him say it. I heard him say it. I've got this. I had peace, and by the time I reached those doors, I had peace. So she goes on into the examination. We find out it's a two-liter tumor. It's, very, it's not looking right this time. This time it's looking a little weird. You know how the doctors are. Well, there's some strange shapes. There's some things that aren't good. God said, I got this. It's all right. Well, now she has to have full open abdomen surgery. And they got to go in there. And so we're at the hospital and we're waiting for the surgery to come through. And the surgeon comes out and she's got a grim look on her face. They got the tumor out and uh, they had to take the ovary. And there's another one. So not the end of the day. But she had a grim look on her face and she said, we need to send that thing out for examination. We need to send it for a biopsy. So, of course, the first word that the devil wants to put in your mind is ovarian cancer. This is my daughter. My one and only daughter. My princess. My angel. But God spoke into my ear. The God that I know. The I am that I know spoke into my ear and reminded me, I've got this. I've got this. And I felt that peace again. And as I saw that grim look on the surgeon's face, and I, I knew what she was thinking, we got to send this thing off to, to a, a biopsy and, and, and for examination. She said, it will probably be about two weeks. That was on a Tuesday night. Maddie had completed the surgery. She, she was home with us on Thursday evening. My wife and I were standing in the kitchen. She was resting in the family room, and I was chopping vegetables and doing whatever. And I didn't even realize that she'd gotten a phone call. This is two days after the surgery, two days after we were told that oncology would take two weeks to get us a result. And so we're waiting to hear if our daughter has ovarian cancer. Chopping my vegetables and suddenly I look up and she goes, I got it, I got it. She's holding her cell phone in her hand. She said, it's all clear, everything's good. I'm totally clear. Stood there with a knife and a vegetable in my hand. Tears came to my eyes. And all I could get out was, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because I know who you are. And you know who I am. And you are awesome, Lord. This is what you need in your life. This is the deep, wonderful relationship with God that we all need in our lives to make it. There's going to be more events. There's going to be more medical challenges. There's going to be other things that happen in life. But we have to know who he is today. 
and we can have that revival. And she knows, she knows that God has spared her. Let's take a look at what the Apostle Paul has to say. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 19, you could turn there with me this morning. First Corinthians 9 and 19 says, this is Paul now preaching to the Corinthians in the letter. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. This is the NIV version. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law. So it's to, as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might have saved some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Paul was basically saying, I am. I am. If you are what you need to be, if there's something that you need me to be, I am that. If you need an ear to listen to, friend, I am that. If you need someone to talk to you about a relationship with God, I am that. If you're someone who needs a testimony about an awesome healing, I'm that person. I am that. That's what Paul was saying. That's what you got to get up today and do. You got to say, friend, I'll be that. If you need this, I'll be that. That's how you're going to win them. That's what revival is. You got to say, I am, I am, I am. And you got to take hold of it. Jesus said that I am in in Revelations, I believe, chapter 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. I am the Almighty. What I'm asking you again today, which one of you is going to stand up and say, I am a school Sunday school teacher? Not just once in a while I help out in a Sunday school. You understand what I'm saying? There's something deeper about that. There's something more than I'm talking about. See, sometimes I think, and we're in the flesh, it's okay. I understand I'm just as guilty as every person in this room, that sometimes we get into the routine. Sometimes we're just kind of doing what we need to do. We want the church to keep going. We want the Sunday school to operate. We want the ladies' ministry to work, and we kind of show, and we do our thing. But there's something about excellence. There's something about stepping it up one more way. There's something about taking it to a new level, where you don't just say, once in a while I'm a Sunday school teacher. You say, I I am a Sunday school teacher. You meaning I'm excellent at it. I'm going to do great. There's going to be some young person in my Sunday school class this morning that needs the Holy Ghost and I'm going to pray for him. I am going to be ready. I'm going to get here a little bit early. I am early. I'm going to be here for prayer because I am a prayer warrior. That's what I'm talking about today. And that's what Paul was talking about. I'm going to be all things to all men because I'm going to be ready. Instant, in season, out of season, and ready to be I am. You want to see revival in the church? That's the way to do it. To stand up, step up, recognize who you are, what is living inside you in the form of the Holy Ghost. I am is inside you. That means literally you are limitless in your abilities. Now I'm not putting this out there for people to walk out of here to say, Brother Cordell told us that we're God today. How about that? Maybe even a big G God. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that the God of this universe, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the Almighty, is abiding inside of you. 
All of you have natural abilities. Every, all of us have some level of natural abilities. And I hope that in some way, shape, or form, you walk out of here today and say, how can I use my natural abilities to support and help the church? And what can I do? That's what the Jonathan Project is about. That's what the Elizabeth Project is about. It's about inspiring and providing a way for you to offer your natural abilities. But that's not where it stops. It doesn't stop at that. Are you called and anointed by God? Are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Just be able to enact your natural abilities? Or are you called and anointed by God with supernatural abilities to conquer the things that God has put before you? That's the question today. Are you going to conquer your destiny? Are we hungry for it? It's very quiet in here this morning. I hope, like Brother Kylie says, that that means that you're thinking. Because I, wanna, I want you to walk out of here this morning feeling emboldened and strengthened, recognizing that you are and I am. You have that ability. You are going to be the difference. You are going to reach out. You are going to affect somebody. You're going to stand before someone and they're going to say, I really need this. And you're going to say in your mind, I am. It's a tough thing. Listen, I understand. It's a tough thing when someone comes to you and they say, can you pray for me? I just found out I have cancer. Oh, my, what, what did Moses say? Who am I? But if you get a hold of this, if you get a hold of who you are and what you are and what you possess inside you, you're not going to rear back and say, who am I? You're going to say, all right, let's pray. Let's get it done. When the challenges come in life, you're not going to fall backwards. And, oh, man. I, and I'm picking on somebody here today, but I'm doing it in fun. But we have a tendency when bad things happen. Oh, here we go again. Why does everything go wrong? Why does it always happen to me? Why? No. You get a hold of who you are, and that challenge comes along, and you're going to say, I am. One more day. I'm going to keep pushing forward. It's not about me. It's about them. God is with me, and I am with him, and I'm going to keep moving forward. I am, I am, I am. If you can't think of anything else to say in the challenge that you're facing, and you're having a terrible day. Someone's bad to you at work. you got a sickness going on. There's a problem happening in your life. Get into a corner some way and say, I am, I am, I am, because God is inside me, and he's going to get me through this. He got me through my daughter. He got us through financial. He got us through spiritual challenges. He got us through problems. He's pulled us through everything I can think of in the book. How dare I stand there and worry that God's not going to do it this time? How can I do it? He's done everything for me. He's brought me through everything. He's challenged our finances. He's challenged our health. He's challenged our marriage, our work, our jobs, our homes. The devil has challenged everything in my life, and God has pulled me through every single one of them. How can I possibly dare doubt that God, the I am, isn't going to pull me through. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Stand with me this morning. I'm done. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I think this morning we ought to, if you don't mind, I'm being a little brash. I told you I was excited. God just said, what, what are you doing, Cordell? You're full of my spirit. You have the ability to conquer. You have the ability through me to do this. Now I just got to get enough of you believing it. Anybody in here believe it? Did somebody pick up on this? 
This is, praise the Lord. We got a piano player this morning. There she is, she's coming. I want you to walk out feeling strong and emboldened. Take it to a new level. Have a level of excellence. I, I'm going to get a little serious here for a minute, but it's only because it's right before altar call, and I figure someone will pray for forgiveness for me. <laughs> you have to forgive. We're in church. If you want to conquer the things that are happening in your life personally, you have got to be willing to sacrifice and do the things that God is calling you to be, to be that I am. Because if you do his business first, he's going to do your business. You understand? If you do what he's calling you to do first, he's going to take care of what your needs are. If you put him first, if you do what he's calling you to do, if you listen for that, he's going to take care of everything you need. I am living proof. I'll st- if you've got about three or four hours, come to my office. I'll sit and tell you testimony after testimony after testimony. And when you walk out of there, you'll believe but you gotta do what's first. We have church here, 9, 15, Sunday mornings. It's either prayer or it's a Sunday school. There's 14 people here. Why is that, why is that? People can get up at two o'clock in the morning to go to Black Friday, right? Their job, your job, if your job says you gotta be there early, you're gonna be there for that, right? But imagine if on Sunday morning at 9.15, this many people are here and we're praying and we're worshiping and God is calling you and moving on your life. And he's telling you, I'm gonna use you, Jenny Matucci, to go pray for that friend of yours that's got cancer. He's gonna use you, Brother Mesa. He's gonna use you to go save some of those people in your community. He's gonna use you, Jeff Dretzka. He's gonna call you if you're here. If, he, if you give him a chance and you want that I am, he's gonna use you. You understand? If we're all here together, that's revival. Because it's going to happen inside here and it's going to spill out in there. And I'll tell you what, if you, we've reached that point and God is working and he's moving and people are being saved around you, your life is going to be happy. You're going to be stepping. You don't, nothing that comes along is going to make a difference in your life because you know that I am is with you and he's taking care of you. But it's got to start here. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at